created live on Fireside. Hey there. I am going to start the show. Chris, did you get my invite, sir? Uh, thank you for joining us, if you're here. And guess who just came onto the show? Alex. There she is. Hi, Alex. Yay! Hey, <laughs> Alex. Come up on stage, darling. Uh, there she is. Oh, the mademoiselle from Toronto. Ladies and gentlemen, so, please allow me I, to uh, introduce you to Alexandra Talbot. She hails from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, uh, involved in local government, but plus also runs a charity on the side known as Sober Active Canada. Alex, I'll give you the talking stick in a second. You, This is the second podcast you did with me. Well, third in principle. Daniela, I have to tell you this. When, we, uh, when having a cuppa, my podcast was still in its infancy, Alex was my fourth or fifth guest, and we did this oh. two, three-hour fantastic show, but then I forgot to press the record button, so we, no. had, to redo- <laughs> so we had to do the <laughs> entire show, <laughs> the it, entire it show all over run. again. It was a dry run. That's okay. That's okay. You got I'm to be sure. good friends, I'm sure. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I don't believe I would be anywhere without uh, Alex's insight. Love... Tell us your story, like you told it unto me yonks ago. You hail from a from a from a uh, rather diverse family, and that caused you some confusion, which ultimately led you to start using drugs and alcohol, right? Yes, yeah. So obviously, so first of all, I just want to apologize to everybody. I I might not make any logical sense. Um, I am hit hard by COVID. I um, tested oh. positive yesterday. I've been bedridden. So it took me everything to like make myself look half decent for this. Well, you, you got so it right. For still, see, that's what sober people do. They still show up. But COVID is a, is a darn good excuse not to show up. But thank you for joining us. We don't have to make it very long. And I'm so sorry to hear that you're positive that's that's right it's okay really... it was it was inevitable my daughter had it for the past week she's now she's now completely negative but um obviously you know the virus is lingering in my place it was inevitable that i was going to get it and i think we're mm. all going to get it at some point you know um yeah. it's, a, it's serving as a really good reminder though of how i never want to fucking feel again yes because I'll tell you, <laughs> it feels exactly it feels exactly like my last high and my last drunk unbeknownst to me on April 22nd, 2017. Wow. Like the tossing and turning, the hot sweats, the cold sweats, the body and muscle aches. I'm like, yep, this is how I never want to feel again in my life. Ah, mon wow. Dieu. So, so, yeah. So, so Moshe, tell us your story. But, um, yeah, so I guess going back, uh, since you want me to go all the way back, you know, obviously, the further along I get in my recovery today, um, I'll be five years in uh, in April. Mm. But uh, the farther I get along, obviously, you know, the drugs and alcohol were never the problem. Um, they had become the solution to my every problem, right? Mm. Um, 
further along I get, you know, recovery for me is definitely a transformative process. It's about uncovering, discovering and recovering myself on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, identifying um, those precursors and, you know, going and digging deep within myself and and finding those underlying issues and those, you know, mm -hmm. um, traumatic events in my in my in my life that or mm -hmm. and those mm -hmm. events in my life that would have led me to where I am today, you know, um, definitely, definitely. So one of them, so my dad was an alcoholic and an addict, um, you know, God bless his soul. He couldn't find this better way of living for himself or, or for his family. Um, so mm -hmm. I do have, have deep rooted daddy abandonment issues from a very young age, which then led me to my, obviously, you know, I have, I don't know, I'm not only addicted to, to alcohol and drugs, you know, it's definitely sex, emotional addiction, love addiction, codependency <laughs> issues, you name it. I, you know, I, I, I do remember you telling me that. I do everything with intensity, but that, that's <laughs> definitely, you know, where, where um, <laughs> that's, that's definitely where that that's rooted from, you know, and and trying sure. to find that that love and seeking that um, affection and that male figure in my life, um, obviously in all the wrong yeah. places, you know. So I started using and boozing at a very young age, at the age of ten, um, definitely to fit in, you know. I'm also of mixed origin, so my dad was black and um, my mother is French Canadian. So for me, you know, um, an identity crisis from a very, very young age, not white enough for the white, not black enough for the black, you know, even in my own um, maternal, um, on my mom's side, you know, even my own maternal grandfather, you know, was, was, he didn't even go to my mom and dad's wedding, mind you, we weren't born yet, you know, but my sister was, was his first grandchild. So that's when he finally opened up to my father. And, um, you know, but, you know, still hearing the, still hearing the racial slurs and everything, you know, like he loved his granddaughters. Yes, he did. But, but, you know, uh, that didn't negate the fact, you know, his beliefs and his views and, and how he grew up, yeah. you know, very, very, very French Canadian, um, uh, construction worker, you know, so, um, <clears throat> So, you know, that did it. But then later on in life, you know, as I started um, dating black men, you know, the, the black girls, like I was too light skin. Oh, she's not a sister. So, you know, oh, finding gosh. that, finding that. So I always say, you know, addiction doesn't discriminate, but neither do no, the people that you're drugging and drinking with. So I found that entourage very early on in life, right? Like mm -hmm. all we all had in common was yeah. the fact that we drug and drank together. We didn't care what color we were, what shape, size, form, what side of the track. <laughs> Ain't we that were from. the truth? <laughs> you know, like, like Amen all, to that. You know, you know. So neither did the people I was drugging and drinking with. They couldn't give two shits less. You know. So I was accepted and like seeking that external validation and that belonging and that fitting mm. in and that appartenance, right? Um, mm. So I definitely found my crowd at a very, very young age, you know, and both of my parents are, are artists. So my mom um, oh. was a professional ballerina and, uh, and a model and my dad. Uh, you never told me that. Yeah. So my dad and my dad was a trained Shakespearean actor. So very, very, wow. very liberal upbringing, you know, um, Gee, not, a lot, well. not a lot of discipline. Um, and then my mom, obviously, you know, God bless God bless her, my angel today, you know, I took complete advantage of her, like just looking back on it now, you know, and when I go back to the drugs and alcohol were never the problem. Like I was an addict and an alcoholic. 
long before I was an addict and an alcoholic and long, long before I was admittedly an addict and an alcoholic because it took me 28 years to come to that realization and make that admonition to self, you know, that which was so huge. But, you know, that that lying, that stealing, that cheating, that manipulation, you know, my mom would work um, uh, three jobs seven days a week to provide for me. And all I did was take advantage, take advantage of her kindness. I remember, you know, I'd, I'd have to be at the, you know, I'd pretend I was going to the school dance. I'd be stealing money from her wallet. You know, I remember mm -hmm. I always that that need for instant gratification and having something right away. Right my running shoes like but no i need them today because in two weeks time when you get paid like but alexandra you gotta can we wait till my next pay I, i'm kind of you know stuck right now can we wait and i'll buy you the running shoes in two weeks and i would literally sit there and cry for hours on end until she caved and brought me to the store to get them right away you know so i i was a, I relate. a master manipulator from a young yeah. age you I know are you an only child no, I have an older sister. So that too um, plays into, you know, some of my, you know, I, I was very jealous of her. Mm. Um, she was always the prettier one, the more popular one. I hung out with her and her friends. So I always hung out with older, an older crowd. Um, mm. And, you know, I it's funny I was, how that works, doesn't it? Yeah. And I thought I was just cute. You know, look at Alex, the little 10 year old. Look at her take her first drag off of a cigarette. Look at her do her take her first toke off of a joint. Oh, look how cute she is. You know, she just had a oh, my God. I remember we put we, we'd always see my mom drinking um, sake, but heating it up. So we put a shots in the microwave. Holy shit, man. Never drank sake in my life. But, you know, my mom. My mom, one of her jobs was a flight attendant. So she was, she was rarely oh. home, um, mm. you know, mm. and she was working around the clock, busting her ass, you know, um, to provide for us and, you know, yeah. doing the best, doing the best she could do. Cause today she will, she, you know, she, she often asks, you know, what could I have done differently? What could I, mm -hmm. you know, you did everything you were supposed to do because look at the woman that I am today, you know, like, unfortunately it took me that long to be the daughter that you raised, you know, and the woman that you raised. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, and then I just go back to, and, you know, I almost lost her when I was 12 years old, like, you know, back then, um, she had, um, breast cancer and like was undergoing oh, chemo no. and, uh, chemo and radiation at the same time you know and and i still refused to like i still treated her so it's funny because she always says you know i'm the only white woman with two black daughters and i'm a slave and i and that's exactly how i treated her she was a slave mm -hmm. you know and um and and i still as as she almost as i'm almost losing her you know taking full full advantage of her um her that's, generosity that's her kindness her unconditional love you know but then that, then that goes back to like my my behavioral patterns and my defects of character were yeah. deeply ingrained with me probably from the day i was fucking born yeah um so yeah so <laughs> you know like so so i definitely was an addict and an alcoholic long before the substances came into the mix you know mm -hmm. um so that's a bit about my, my childhood, you know, and then I always say that, you know, having started to use and booze at the young age of 10, like I can't even tell you where along that line, you know, and in the big book, we talk about that invisible, that invisible line, that fine freaking line, but mm -hmm. where along that line, 
it went from recreational use and don't get me wrong it was fucking fun at first you know when it was <laughs> sure, as it was for all and, of us and yes. i was having the time of my life and a freaking party and you know and my teenage years were were pretty good but where along that line it became daily habitual abuse and it went there quickly um mm. you know I, I was i was actively using and in the throes of active addiction in in mid teenage life you know it had mm. become when we say in our recovery circles you know today i i always what is that like some like it's a sound effect. You want to hear it again? Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, you know, I always go back to it, you know, and, and in our recovery circles, how we say, you know, we find ourselves in recovery, but how could you find something you never lost? You know, it had become my yeah, very identity by the paradox. end. Yeah. Because I started to use so young. Like, that's all I knew. You know, we only know what we know. Right. Absolutely. My you hit, daily you norm. hit it right out of the park, babe. Yeah. It had become my daily norm. It had become so regularized. It was absolutely normal. And then as I'm as I'm high, no pun intended, functioning, you know, I'm I, I'm actually academically successful. I'm professionally successful. So all the uh. success is also going to my head, right? And you know when we say the <laughs> when we say that per, uh, that disease of perception that we have, right? Yeah. Like that's what kept me in denial for so long because I was up here. There was no fucking way that I was like anybody else, you know? And, and I, I was, I was the shit, honestly, mm. like my ego. And I don't say I was egotistical. Mm. I was an egomaniac. I was a raging lunatic because I had such professional success and making the high dollar figures, like at such mm -hmm. a young age, you know, I graduated university at the age of 20. I got my federal wow. public service career. I got my indeterminacy right off the bat. Um, and I didn't go in entry level, you know, I, I was a manager by the age of 22. Oh, uh, my. my employees were Amazing. older than me, you know, and, um, so all the success, you know, and just wanting to climb up the ranks and be the shit. And I was the shit, you know, and I definitely was for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and like these people were investing money in me, um, developed like, you know, I wanted to be the youngest executive in the government of Canada. I wanted to be the youngest deputy minister. I, I was kind of like a whiz kid in a way. But, you know, by day, I was mm -hmm. Alex professionally and very well. Um, and by night, it was a completely different story, you know, and when I go into my um, sex addiction and, and love and emotional addiction, you know, and codependency issues, like, as I, you know, I always think back to it today, like, holy shit, there was always a higher power with me that whole time, because to be here to live to tell the tale the the compromising situations I put myself in, uh, my promiscuity. Um, it was, it was just a debaucherous lifestyle by night, you know, and at yeah. some point those two worlds collided, there was no more hiding it as much as I thought I was hiding it. There was no more, you mm -hmm. know, and it just mm -hmm. became, it just became one, one world, you know, I, I couldn't even separate the two anymore. I couldn't even keep up with my lies. I couldn't keep up with with anything, you know, and those poor decisions I was making on the on the home front, 
were now starting to be made at work, you know, and, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, so as much as I lived the dual life for so long, that dual life became one at some point. Um, mm. And, you know, I thought I was invincible. I really did think I was invincible and I thought I could carry it on. But guess what? You get older, you know, I couldn't keep up with my shit anymore. Go, go, getting, you know, getting ready at 6 a.m. without sleeping. At, you know, I could do that in my 20s, but like in my 30s, um, that shit was starting to get a little tough, you know? Yeah. And then I, Don't remind me. I'm turning 30 this year. I'm already oh. dreading it. I'll be 50 oh my soon. <laughs> I, I, what? I, I, no, 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 no. You're being 20 with 30 years experience. Let's not have this arguments. There's no such right. thing as 50. You stop aging at 21 and the rest of your, of your life is experience. I said that's that right. to Alex and we never spoke about it again. <clears throat> Alex, what was the, you know, it, it's such a, it's so crazy because I can relate with you so much. You and I, I mean, I, I everything you said, is, is the way that I tell my story and feel it. Like it's an amazing thing where someone else tells you their story and you can just relate to everything that they say. Mm -hmm. What what happened? What was the point where you actually got sober? Because no one ever plans that. It's just something that happens. No. So what happened? So, well, first of all, like in, the, in, in all of that debaucherous life, you know, um, at the age of 28, I met somebody. Um, and, you know, again, as soon as you'd show me that little extra bit of attention, you know, it was supposed to be just one of my other gazillion one night stands, honestly. Right. Um, but, you know, he came back to my place the next day, remembered my name. So, hey, you know, it was love at fucking first sight, everyone. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> party time. <laughs> ended up, ended up, you know, getting getting pregnant and I had had an abortion at, at the age of 16. So for me, it was a miracle child because how between the age of 16 and 28 had I not gotten pregnant again, right? It's not like any of those guys were protected sex, um, yeah. like honestly. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'm financially well off. I'm emotionally and mentally well, like capable of doing this. I have a great role model. <laughs> I have, I have Inverted great, commas. I have a great role model as a single mother, you know, so whether, whether you want to be a part of this child's life or not, you know, I'm mm. still going to go ahead and have, and have the child. So that was my first foray into sobriety, except it was forced sobriety. Nobody thought I could do it. Mm. Um, but for nine months, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a rail of Coke. I didn't have a swig of whiskey. I didn't even have a sip of wine. I didn't even so much as have a drag of a cigarette. Like as soon as I found out I was pregnant, that was it, wow. you know, um, except it was, you know, and it's the only pregnancy I've ever been through with somebody. I could tell you it was the hardest nine months of my life, um, you know, trying to defend sure. myself and turning blue in my face. And, and, you know, he came with his, it's funny because I always say, you know, I used to always say back then, Oh God, these guys have such emotional, like baggage and emotional issues. And they're so emotionally like unstable, except, you know, like coming back to it today, like I was just as emotionally, right. um, <laughs> unstable and as unfit <laughs> as they were but um but you know he came with his own uh, his own baggage of issues anyways it was a, a three-year relationship um too long and a very tumultuous tumultuous um custody battle thereafter but again remember my my level of success that always went to my head 
Um, you know, I got painted out to be a, an alcoholic and an addict in court. Um, I still want exclusive custody because I always looked fucking amazing on paper. I always looked, I was the sole provider financially. Right. I was the, you know, and, and I could have very well had um, my daughter taken away from me at that time. Sure, and, uh, you sure. know, even the judge, even the judge at the end, at the end, he was just like, us parents, like, you guys need to wake the fuck up. Like, honestly, you know? And, <laughs> Did he say it in and, so many words? He didn't say it in those that many words. <laughs> you, you, get, you, get the you get the gist. You get the gist. I'm teasing he, you. Yeah, like he was, you know, but again, ha, ha, ha. I just got away with like fucking murder yeah. almost. You know, like I just got away with this shit and I won exclusive custody, you know. So that, that again sure, went to my head, sure. you know. And I was, I was a flipping mess, you know. I really was a mess. And it's funny because my daughter um, heard me heard me tell that story um a couple years ago on one of my first podcast interviews and you know she said to me she said oh so I was a mistake Mm. I said you weren't a mistake you just weren't planned you are the greatest achievement of my life and the greatest gift and my greatest blessing except it took me 10 years to show you Mm. so now Mm. when we get back so now when we get back to, um, you had asked me the question of, you know, what in lead up to, you know, how was April 22nd, 2017, the day of all days, finally, after 28 years of this lifestyle mm. I was leading, yeah. um, you know, there were so many, so many things in lead up to that day. Um, that November, like, you know, as much as I'm high ranking, making the big bucks, very high profile position, um, you know, like I said, those those mistakes were um, were starting to be made at work. You know, um, mm. I always had a great salary, nothing to show for it. You know, that November 2016, um, I had a bailiff come to my door in the morning. I wasn't going to work hardly anymore. I, you know, paid vacation, paid sick leave, um, <clears throat> but. Um, I, uh, there's a bailiff that came to my door and I was, I was right freaking tweaking and uh, at nine o'clock in the morning. And apparently when you don't pay your mortgage for seven months, the bank wants their, uh, their money Ooh. or they want, or they want their property Ooh. back. So yeah. I was, I, I was uh, presented oy, with oy, a, oy. a notice of foreclosure on my condo. Um, right there. I stopped uh-uh. dead. I said, what the fuck are you doing with your life, Alex? Like you almost have you and your daughter living out of your car. You work for a deputy head in the government of Canada. You make an amazing salary and you have nothing to show for it that you're about to lose your condo. Like this yeah. is the point it's getting to, like near homelessness, you know. Um, the intent was there, the will and that whole surrendering bit and all that, that, that mm-hmm. stuff I didn't know about yet. But, you know, I had met I had met a young lady. Um, I had met a young lady in active addiction that year and she she had to commit herself and go to detox and rehab and the whole bit and she was in a fellowship at the time um she was about three months in and and you know i'd already seen her life getting better and stuff i I called i actually called her you know i always remained in contact with her um even after you know and even though i was still with hanging out with our crowd and stuff and um you know so for 28 days, like I, I, I guess you could say, and I won't call it, you know, I don't call it a relapse because I, my, that, that, 
I never wanted recovery. I didn't even know what it was, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't stopped. Like I was just stopping because I just needed to get the money for my condo and like, you know, and, and I found it, I managed borrowing money and uh, paying off, paying off my debt. And then of course, um, right. Cause that's what we do. Yes. We manipulate. We're, very, we're very resourceful people. Funny enough with, with very. my ex <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, so I, I stayed, I stayed clean for 28 days. And it's funny because I went with her to a, um, to the, to the fellowships masquerade ball for that New Year's Eve. And it's really funny, like how befitting and what an analogy, because it was a masquerade ball. I was the only one not wearing a mask, but I was the only one still wearing a mask because I got high two hours before that shit. And when the <laughs> countdown, and when the countdown, when the countdown ended, like you couldn't get me out of there fast enough. Um, <laughs> but, That's uh, but, but you know when you when you, we say right, all it takes is that little mustard seed to be planted, right? Oh, because I'll tell you what, you're I went to the on, converted. I went on my last rampage, hurrah! You name it, whatever you want to call it, my last run. Um, from that point on. That winter was absolute um, insanity. You know, I always think back to it, like, you know, when we create our own insanity, how insane is it to create your own insanity, misery, demise, and absolute ruin, you know? I was getting in mm. another codependent relationship with a much, much younger gentleman. Um, there's just so many things that happened. And then there, sure. there was the weekend before April 22nd, 2017, like, my dealers weren't even coming to my house anymore, right? Like they they were telling me to get off the street. They wouldn't even meet me on the street. So when your dealers have cause for concern for you, there's definitely wow. a, a freaking problem. Yes, you know, right there. Someone is someone's telling you something. Yeah. Someone is telling you something when your dealers bail on you. Oh, sorry. I thought you said somebody was telling me something here and I'm looking for comments. And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, I was adding to the conversation, adding yeah. a little bit of fuel to the fire. It's evident that somebody's trying to tell you something when your dealers say, sorry, no Coke, no speed, nothing. Cheers. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. Get off the street, Alex. Like, get off the street. Stop driving. <laughs> like, go home to your daughter. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that weekend before in in an act of complete desperation i went across town and um picked up off of somebody i totally didn't know had never picked up from had never seen before i can't even tell you what his name is today you know and um i could tell you what for doing cocaine for that long in my life whatever i put up my nose that day was definitely not cocaine and in a you know in a drug-induced psychosis i thought the only yeah. way i would ever get down from that high was to kill myself mm. um luckily enough <sighs> again i'm here to tell the tale i got talked out of it um i stayed on the phone with somebody for 24 hours you know but all these things all these things started happening you know and at work um at work i had uh I, I was really starting to fuck up bad at work and I wouldn't know how bad until I was at least one month into recovery when, when that happened. But, um, you know, as much as I thought I was invincible, everything catches up to you at some point, you know, 
And finally, just on April 22nd, 2017, I can tell you, I probably stepped one, two, and three to myself before I even knew what step one, two, or three were, or the 12 steps were. Um, <laughs> there was definitely, there was definitely a power greater than myself in that room that morning for me to finally make admonition to self and tell myself, like, you're not shit for shit, Alex. You're just a junkie and an alcoholic and you need help and you need it now. You know, that yeah, life I yeah. was living, that life I was living no longer served a purpose. That woman I was that day completely ceased to exist. Um, you know, my daughter was going to be 10 years old that August. Mm -hmm. And this was in April. And I was like, Alex, like, you started living and leading this kind of life at her age. Who are you? Like, you need to step up to the plate and be a fucking parent and be a mother and be a role model and start walking the walk and talking the talk, you know, mm, be a mm. parent because this is what you're doing to yourself. Yeah, it's not fair to you, but it's not fair to her at all. She didn't ask for this, you know, and the things that she had to bear witness to. And, you know, I thought again, because you know, like I said, I always looked so good on paper and so good from the outside, you know, Yeah. but thinking back on it, you know, I thought I was the best mother because she was always in the, you know, competitive synchronized swimming, competitive soccer, you know, and mm. I was a deplorable fucking mother, like the shit she had to bear witness to and the, 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 yeah. the things she had to endure, you know, and she was taking care of me a lot of the time, you know, mm. so that, that was, a big, that was a big, um, a big, you know, in my vivid memory of that morning, that was a huge, huge, you know, at that point, And I was just like, I give up, like, I cannot live like this anymore. I am so done. You know, that gift of desperation was there. Mm -hmm. I was completely defeated. I was done. And, you know, uh, I didn't get down on my knees and surrender that way. You know, like, I just know there was a power greater than myself in that room for me to call my girlfriend from four or five months prior pick up the phone and say, I need your help and I need it now. Like, and you know, had it not been for her walking me through the doors of the rooms that day, I probably wouldn't be here today. You know, I always say she's an angel put on my path. Yeah. There was a reason she was put on my path in active addiction and we partied so hard together. Um, there's definitely a reason, you know, and, and just, it just took that seed. I knew who to reach out to, you know, as much as I didn't know about any fucking program at the time or you yeah. know but had she not held my hand and walked me through those doors you know but from that moment onward there was no no turning back you know and um yeah yeah thank god but your recovery yeah. also took a brand new spin in that you got all your baggage cleaned out but then you took up competitive uh, bodybuilding. No, so actually it all it all happened at the same time. Oh, it did? So, so yeah, so wow. so you know, coming into recovery that 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 April 22nd, 2017 was was, you know, the, my my foray into the rooms. Um, mm. but I had read 3 weeks 3 weeks into recovery, I had read um John C. Maxwell's quote, you know, change something you do daily change your life. Your success lies mm. in your daily mm. routine. Mm. Um, so this three weeks into it, I started, you know, overhauling completely. I mean, drugging and drinking had been my lifestyle for so long. <laughs> so I completely overhauled my daily routine and, um, you know, started incorporating, seeing the benefits of, um, I was so, I was so unhealthy on every level, you know, um, and, uh, 
just starting, I had already started to do my morning, you know, meditation and prayer and stuff mm. that the program had showed me in just that short little time. Yeah. But um, I started, you know, um, I was 225 pounds when I walked into the rooms. Wow. Uh, as, as much as I say, you know, I was, I didn't only rid myself of toxic people, places and things. I rid myself of all toxicity. So when I ad adopted a clean, clean living, I adopted clean eating as well, because I could tell you what I was so malnourished. Wow. Because those three, four, five day benders I was on come day five, six, when I thought, okay, maybe it is time to put a bit of food in my body and maybe get an hour or two sleep in so I can restart the whole fucking party cycle. with. Sorry, did you guys hear that? My daughter's trying to call me. Um, so I hung up on her. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so, you know, that, that whole, but I would literally binge eat in that two hour span. You know, I mm. would be putting everything I was putting in my body from the cocaine to the alcohol, you know, was toxic, toxicity. Yeah. I was wolfing down two, three pizzas to myself. I don't know if you guys oh, know man. what that poutine is, but anyways, a Quebec uh, delicacy, French fries, cheese curds, and gravy. And I could eat like a ton <laughs> of that, the pop, the chips, you know, cause I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to cook, to do any good cooking for myself. Like, you know, like I was mm. too lazy at that point, but so I was just in just no shit. I lived a waste case life. Everything I consumed, including the people I was surrounding with myself were fucking garbage and junk. You know, it was yeah. pure right. toxicity. Everything that I was consuming was toxic. So I really mm. like went on. I really went um, on my nutrition. I started noticing, you know, so as you know, three weeks in as much as, you know, I haven't had cocaine and like the booger sugar and like, over four and a half years, you know, I haven't had so much as like, you know, refined, refined sugar, refined sugar is absolutely a drug to me, you know, so I eat as whole and as natural and as close to the source as I can, not wow. processed. I have not had any refined sugar in my body in over four and a half. That probably would set me off. Whoa. Um, that's amazing. So I, I adopted a clean, uh, clean eating and I'm pretty, I'm very anal about clean eating. Like, you know, oh, I, she I, I, is. See Trust me. I see some other people on there, but that's, that's, you know, I had to catch myself in that. So I, I was, um, you know, my addict brain can set, can still go in, in these other directions, you know, and there is such a thing as orthorexia. So in my first year of recovery, I was, um, suffering orthorexia i had an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating and mm -hmm. i'll tell you what like I, I was just about to say like i was judging other people's plates and the food they were consuming and you're sitting there saying you're a clean eater but i could tell you what those freaking protein keto cheerios that you're eating right now have fucking refined sugar in it you ain't clean <laughs> whatsoever right you know like um I, I was very anal about it and I lost a hundred pounds very, very, very quickly. Um, people Whoa. were starting to get concerned about me. Um, I think I had, uh, you know, uh, 15, 15 months later, I was, I was on to my um, first competitive uh, bodybuilding stage, you know, just 15 months prior, I was at 225 pounds. 
But so, but just noticing too, you know, the benefits of exercise and I couldn't even do two minutes of cardio at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I started, I started with yoga and really I'll attribute my first 40 pounds lost definitely to the fact that whiskey was out of my daily diet. Yeah. Um, there's so much sugar in that, Yeah. but like, but you know, and then just noticing the benefits of connecting my my breath, my mind, my body, my soul, and starting to see—it's all synergies. interconnected. And starting to see the synergies and getting them to work, you know, interactive and like you know they're they're at interplay all day long. And you know, recovery is absolutely coming back to a harmonious, balanced, and aligned state of self. So you know, starting to really find that harmony within. And doing the inner right, work, yeah. you know. So, yeah. so for me, I, I always say I work a trifecta program. Um, nutrition and fitness have proven viable approaches to my recovery, complemented by my twelve-step program. Because mm-hmm. honestly, at the end of the day, like I have a three-pronged dis-ease, and I always put the hyphen mark in dis-ease. I have a dis-ease of self, in, with, of, and by myself. Um, but I have a mental obsession, a physical compulsion, and a spiritual malady. I have to attack those three on the daily. So I cannot get away from not doing mental exercise every day, physical exercise every day, and spiritual exercise every day. So when we say, you know, my daily reprieve is contingent upon my spiritual maintenance, for me, it's Mm -hmm. not just contingent upon my spiritual maintenance. It's it's, it's, contingent upon my spiritual mental emotional and physical maintenance on the day on a daily basis you know it's my entire well-being right you know it's the goal goal is not to be clean and or sober the goal is to love ourselves enough to live addiction free lives right and it's not about abstinence it's about improving our quality of life but also our health and our wellness right it's about our absolutely Mm-hmm. and bettering ourselves so it's my entire well-being so i can't escape not you know not not doing the work on all levels every day yeah. danny you I, wanted to ask something before i rudely interrupted you oh hell i'll never remember i don't have that many brain cells anymore chris <laughs> i, I didn't know, imply the, that um, when i first got sober i'm over 15 years now i you know i would train <laughs> every day running around the block with the plastic suits on the tires around my waist. And then, you know, now I'm dealing with all these health problems because of probably some of the, you know, the past. And uh, in fact, I went to see a um, ear, nose and throat guy last week. And he said, your ears are ringing because you got hit in the face on your right side. And I said, I was thinking, oh my God, I did, you know, someone, bashed me. I saw stars. I remember it, you know, it was of course one of my using <coughs> friends. Um, and you know, we, we do so much damage to our body and like the challenges that are happening now where, you know, I can't even get back to the yoga. That was something I would just force myself to do every morning. Cause I actually really did like it, but I'm just having mm-hmm. such a, to- a hard time. I'm struggling so hard to get back because I have, arthritis of the spine, which really sucks. But when you get, when, you know, when your pieces, when you start, like you were talking about missing some of the pieces, you start getting a little off track and you're not as balanced. And so, you know, Mm -hmm. I, 
this week, actually, I've been really, um, and it's just been so natural for me to be super grateful lately. And it's just every night, just thinking about how grateful I am and it's subtle, you know, you have, everything kind of takes time and, and you go through all these waves in your sobriety and, uh, you know, where mm -hmm. you're at right now is such a incredible time and so exciting. So what is this, um, thing that you're but, doing? But I'll tell Canada? you what, like, uh, and I'll get into that, but I'll tell you, sure. I just want to hit on that, you know, and, and our work is never done. Like, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm coming into my, my five years, but you know, at a two year point in my recovery at my four year point, like I've, I've really had to go back to bait. Like last winter, I went into a deep depressive state, you know, and I really had to start, um, looking deep within myself again and you know it's funny because so you know um chris was mentioning that i am a competitive bodybuilder and i'm a decorated competitive bodybuilder today wow. um but you know how i approach one thing is how i approach everything and those 12 spiritual principles are are not only um you know practiced in all my affairs but across all facets of my life so mm -hmm. I was going to go, I was going for my pro card in, in December. Unfortunately, um, I didn't even, um, place at all the way I thought I would. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, but you know, that launched me into, you know, last winter when I was in my deep depressive state, like something <clears throat> had to give our work is never done. Recovery is an ongoing daily God willing lifelong process. Yeah. Um, I never use the term. I never use the term recovered. I don't know how one can say that they're recovered. When are you going to be recovered? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> you know, lost into a sort of a complacency. Recovering, you know, and yeah. um, present and, continuous. You know, I agree. You know, I was really in a in a bad place, and you know, I had to take um, go back to basics. Um, you yeah. know, so I. I, the there went my whole there went my whole i'm not just going for a pro card like who's the alex that i'm going to be conveying on that stage i mm. got to go profound again to grow pro so you know new sponsors started doing formal round of step work again you know this self-discovery thing is it is have it you heard this girl's thing? talent for poetry um throughout the way that she speaks danny have you heard she's a poet she, I, I'm not it, a poet per se, but are you oh, a, um, a freestyle rapper? I'm a writer. Awesome. <laughs> and, you got and, a lot of good knowledge. And, you know, and getting a mindset transformational coach, because honestly, I had to do a lot of inner That's child right. work and go to my subconscious mind, because as much as I thought there were things that were healed two years ago when I came into the rooms, you know, I, I thought I forgave my dad. There's, oh, no, no. Apparently, I needed to go check in with my inner child a little bit more on that one, you know, and, right. and recognizing There's so much more to be revealed. Every day, every yeah. day, you know, this is an everyday process. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, like that's that's something that I really appreciate that you said that, you know, our work is never done. We're, we're forever in this if we're in this. Right. And that's mm -hmm. that's the kind of Amen. person I am. All, all in or nothing at all. Half measures avail me nothing. Um, a lot of people say I'm intense, you know, but I'm just, I just chase my recovery like I chased my next fix and high, you know, by any means and any lengths necessary, you know, and, and that has to be my top priority today for everything that, that I've come so hard to work for, that peace and that freedom and that serenity for my, my, me and my daughter's quality of life today, you know, yeah. to, 
everything that I love, including my very self, that shit can never come last again to me in my life. Yes. Well, people will obviously say you're intense, but they will always assume something that they themselves will never understand. Not once in our friendship passe have I ever seen you as intense. I've always seen you as pas passionate and humble. And if people can't see that, they can go take a long walk off a short pier. Uh, I second it, with uh, Daniela. So how how much did uh, how long did it take for you to get uh, Sober Canada started? Sober Active Canada, excuse so me. So that was actually um, that was a so luckily enough, you know, I've always been a networker and a very resourceful person. So for me, it came very naturally to jump on Instagram. Uh, I've had my Instagram account since uh, very early on. Um, I think I was 30 days in or maybe even less, you know, and I started connecting with people like because, you know, I was getting into the fitness thing again. And yeah. um, so I started connecting with people like uh, one rep at a time, Marv out in um, out in uh, San Diego. And uh, there was uh, Tom mm -hmm. Shanahan out in New York, the author of um, Spiritual Adrenaline, a lifestyle plan to nourish and strengthen your recovery, you know, besides the big book and the the basic text, that's the only other book I've, re I've read it in my last five years, you know, um, through and through. Uh, it's my daily Bible today, you know, mm, nourishing okay. and strengthening our recovery. Um, and, uh, and yeah, but he also runs, you know, uh, Sober Active New York City and uh, he, a lot. So a lot of people in the recovery and fitness, um, you know, there's huge, huge influences in the United States, like Rock Covery, Temperance Training, The Phoenix. Um, you know, with these recovery-based gyms or really wow. the promotion of fitness and recovery, right? And um, let's face it, like good physical health promotes good mental health and good mental health promotes good physical health, you know? It's, I was it's, waiting um, for that poetry of yours because that's what you told me the last time when you gave me some fitness tips. It's, yeah. it's all, it's written all over you. I mean, you're, you're really glowing and everything uh, about isn't you she? Is, is, even, even if I'm not like the other... Even if I'm at the unhealthiest, I feel, oh my gosh, this COVID shit. Babe, you're gorgeous. But it could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. I know you don't feel great. If I Tell was us. still an active addiction, I'm sure this shit would be a lot worse right now. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, so Sober Active Canada. So, you know, and then even my competition coach, you know, Carly Young um, out in Boise, Idaho. I met her as a sober sister first and foremost. Um, and, you know, just awesome. looking up to up to these um, positive, finally, in my life, you know, I never really had any real friends to begin with, but female female connections yeah. and, and friends, you know, and, and just sort of starting to surround myself with these positive um, influences and very motivating and encouraging. And, you know, people that actually want my, that, that have my best interests at heart and who I can look up yeah. to and like role models, you know, and mm -hmm. um, so Carly actually is, you know, became my competition coach later on. You know, she was a successful gym owner in Boise, um, 11 years sober. She's like my, my, one of my greatest friends today, my confidant, but she's my competition coach. That's how I got into the bodybuilding. Mm. But uh, so, yeah, so Sober Active Canada, you know, is a, um, is a national nonprofit recovery based community for those addicted to bettering themselves. So, you know, fostering mm -hmm. health, hope and healing. And, um, and, you know, just a community of like-minded individuals. And I think, again, it's going what I, I like to call the sober grind, right? 
highlighting and featuring people's experience, strength, and hope that that have a good mm -hmm. sober grind or their routine down packed, you know, that are doing the mental exercise, the physical exercise, and the spiritual yeah. exercise on a daily basis. And um, amazing Canadians doing amazing things in the community, you know, so okay. there were a lot of there were a lot of these recovery-based um, gyms out in out in the states and and internationally, but there was nothing in Canada. Mm. So it had always been an idea of mine because I was talking with my good friend um, Tom, you know, and he was like, "You, you, I think you should start something in Canada." And and my dream goal is to open Canada's first recovery-based gym. But this is my ultimate service work, and you know, COVID hit. It was something that I had on the back burner for quite a while. Um, COVID hit and it, it was now or never, you know, now is the time to bring this, to bring it to them, like, you know, bring a community, um, provide those resources that I had so early on in my recovery, you know, um, create a community where people could connect, you know, online and, um, and, you know, people were sitting at home idling with isolation, you know, that first wave, we were all in lockdown. Um, everything completely shut down. Meeting rooms were no longer happening, you know. So I started doing, um, you know, we could at least go into a park and stuff. Um, so I started doing, you know, um, virtual and live events where I would actually do, you know, start off with five minutes, two minutes guided meditation, go into like a 10, 20 minute light stretching beginner yoga class, awesome. and then followed by a 12-step style format meeting or healing circle, but all around, you know, the benefits of fitness and recovery, uh, self-care and recovery, you know, self-care is an important phase of recovery, right? Again, let's go back to, you know, it's about loving ourselves enough to live addiction or alcohol-free lives, you know, where, where, where drugs or alcohol no longer serve a purpose in our lives, you know, um, doing that inside work and, and, you know, I, I'll, I'll go back to it, you know, the, the self-care is not just about chocolates and bubble bath, you know, some days, yes, it can be that, but it's about mental self-care, physical self-care, social self-care, like we're doing yeah. right now, right? That connection piece, spiritual self-care um, <laughs> self and, and practical self-care, right? You know, those six elements of self-care in that, you know, I... I uh, so I had lost my job in the federal government one month into uh, one month into my recovery. And, and, you know, it could have been possibly been the best thing that happened to me, you know. Yes. You know, for one split second, because um, I came out of total left field. But like I said, right, I was only invincible for so long before everything caught up to me, you know, and and I had been using taxpayer funds to fund my habits by the end. And uh, and that caught up to me. So as much as I was one month into recovery and starting to do very well again at work, um, you know, I was totally caught off guard. I was summoned into the big boss's office. And within 15 minutes, I was being escorted out of the building. Don't think the thought didn't cross my mind to take my severance package and run with it. Like, because I was like, I could go get so blasted right now, you know. but this is also an opportunity, you know, this is a blessing in disguise with there one you bad, you know, a bad ending is just a disguise for a great beginning. And it allowed me, I, I, I had been employed for 18 years, you know, in the government, 18 years of pensionable service. And that was working around the clock. Like I had never had time for myself and to work on myself 
free time on my hands. So I started going to meetings every day, doing the exercise every day. I, I had the luxury of that, you know, to go downtown on myself. That's what I had to do. And, mm -hmm. and in that, you know, um, because of my own transformation and how I, I had become totally addicted to bettering myself, I uh, went and got my health coaching um, certification, right? So, and, and lifestyle coaching certification. So that's I how the- I was just going to ask you, are you a coach? Because you should be. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and, but I only work with recovering addicts and alcoholics so we can reach our optimal health and wellness goals to live on lives unaddicted, right? Um, so that's my whole premise. So Sober Active Canada is absolutely my, um, my, my baby, my baby. Um, but that's it's, great. uh, it's my ultimate service work. I'm, I'm very active in my fellowship as well, but that is my ultimate service work. So I do feature, um, you know, what I like to call recovery MVPs. So, um, stellar, stellar people in the, um, in the Canadian recovery community, um, doing amazing things, um, you know, nationwide. Let's get real with the pandemic. It's recovery without borders. Um, I think I have more followers from the States than I do Canadians at this point. And, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, yeah, I'm bringing my uh, bringing our events, um, you know, doing recovery hikes and just um, getting people getting people moving and, and together and that community aspect, right? The opposite of addiction is absolutely connection. Um, and, uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, and uh, providing providing an outlet for that also resource based information on there. Um, yeah. That's awesome. No, that's great stuff. Darling, we're going to bring it to a close because I know that you're sick and you probably want to get back to bed and uh, heal up properly. But I totally second with Danny. You're still glowing. You know, Alex, every time I hear you speak, because you did my show twice. Uh, I've heard you speak at uh, when I attended your uh, your sober birthday, when Rob got you that uh, that chip. And I mean, you just keep growing and growing and growing. You serve as an inspiration to me and everyone who's going to see or hear this is going to get inspired. Darling, there's so much more for you in this life. And myself and Danny are behind you in spirit and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And I just wanted Most to well. say every week we do giveaways. So Woody, you've been here uh, for the last two weeks. Thank you for watching. We appreciate you being here. And uh, if you have any questions, you can always raise your hand and we'll bring you on or we'll answer your questions. You don't have to come up. Um, so send me your email and I will send you a free shirt. It's info at doingitsober.com. And uh, also, if you are viewing for the first time or listening by podcast, you can go to firesidechat.com backslash Daniela Park or Doing It Sober uh, Instagram. And uh, if you're looking for the coolest 12-step gift, you can also go to my store, doingitsober.com. Do it now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thank you for joining us, and I hope you join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. <laughs> so, God bless, guys. Can't wait to see you. Have a good Bye, day, everyone. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, I don't even know how to hang up. <laughs>